Good morning, everyone. Uh, just reading from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, and we have it in the ESV translation. They came to the other side of the sea, the country of Gerasenes, and when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he had saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you are unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out, of, came out and entered the pigs, And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to, to depart from their region. As he was getting onto the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not have, sorry, and he did not, and he did not have permit to, oh, far away, and he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. He went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marvelled. Right, we come to a story today which is fairly heavy and fairly deep of demons, or a demon for a start, and then later on we find out there's lots of demons. And just to start right up front, the purpose of demonic possession is to destroy the image of God in a person. Demons and the devil desire to take a person away from who they should be and to make them into basically an animal as this man was. In other words, not to possess anything that's of the image of God. And then suddenly... In God's great power, here is a man completely transformed and healed and restored in every way. He was restored to who he was supposed to be, to the image of God. Okay, so they went across the lake, we're starting at the start of the story, uh, to the area of Yep, however you said it, that's it, which was about a two-hour journey. They've actually found the site, like they know where this took place uh, because... On the other side of the lake, they've found a place where there's a very steep slope, about 30 metres from the water, uh, and it's about three kilometres from some sort of cave tombs. 
where, where also poor people have lived. So they kind of know exactly where this is, not that I've got a picture for you. And, uh, you know, Jesus, as soon as he steps out of the boat, immediately they, this man with an unclean spirit meets him. And he, Mark goes into great detail about the state of this man. This is interesting for Mark. Mark, who's been very brief, who sums up all of the temptation of Jesus in half a verse, he goes into great detail. This is a really important happening here. And he talks about this man who had um, obviously been well known by the people around and he is in a terrible state. Basically, he's considered to be a madman and that's fair. Um, He seems to be completely insane. In that era, if someone was a danger to other people, they would simply chain him up, which is a fair thing to do too, probably. And in his case, he had almost a superhuman strength that came from the demon's... Uh, that possessed him. Uh, he wrenched the chains apart. He was too strong for anyone to subdue. It, it kind of reminds you, and I'm not saying it's the same thing, but it reminds you of someone when they've been on meth and you get about four coppers who try and pin them down and they have this sort of superhuman strength. Where does it come from? Uh, come back to that in a bit in a minute. But um, he lived among the tombs and the caves uh, in, in Luke's Gospel, it says he, he ran around, he had no clothes on. Um, spent his days running and screaming and shrieking. He would cut himself with sharp stones. He cut himself. A strange behaviour that still carries through today also in people, doesn't it? Now, cutting yourself was actually something that went along with uh, the worship of demons. Demons would... Demons hate people, do you understand that? And they want people to tear themselves apart. And so uh, you remember in uh, uh, 1 Kings 18, um, when Elijah and there's the 400 false prophets and they're trying to call down their God and then to, just to really make their God hear, they cut themselves with stones in the same way. Uh, it's something that goes along with that. We don't really know what this man had been into, but we understand this. Demons don't inhabit or possess believers. So whatever he was into was bad. Whether he, in, in some way, he had invited him, these demons into his life. Um, again, cutting, people cutting themselves today is, is involved with turmoil and guilt and shame and, and a whole lot of rotten self-hatred. That's what the devil brings to people because the devil hates people because they're made in the image of God. He had basically an unbearable life. This, the, the, the demon had, or demons had taken possession of him completely. He was in constant ter- torment. Okay. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran down and fell before him. Crying out in a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you, adjure, it's a word we might not understand, and we'll explain that in a minute. I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus was saying to him, or had said to him, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. It's interesting, as soon as the boat hit the shore and Jesus stepped out, this man run 
straight to Jesus. Isn't that interesting? And he fell on the ground before him and cries out loudly. Now, why did he fall on? You know, the Greek word says worshipped. But it doesn't mean he actually was worshipping Jesus because this, this demon-possessed man didn't want anything to do with Jesus as such. But what it is, he took the position of worship. He fell down, face down before him. Why did he do that? Because basically that's a defensive position when you know you're faced with a powerful opponent, a more dangerous opponent. When, when, our, when our dog Axel runs out to meet Stefan Ned's dog when it comes to visit, who's a puppy still, immediately Dusty comes in the gate, he rolls on his back and takes a defensive position. In other words, I'm weaker than you, don't kill me. That's basically what's going on here. Okay? So he fell down before Jesus because he knew who Jesus was. And we find that out immediately, don't we? What have you to do with me? Or what have I got in common with you? Or why are you interfering with me? Something like that. Jesus, son of the most high God. The demon admits that there's nothing in common between him and God. In fact, even to be, for a demon to be in the presence of God or the son of God is torture. It's torment. Now, the question I ask here, and, and it's, I did, don't get an answer to it, but I don't know if you ask it, who's speaking here? Is it the man or is it the demon or what's going on? I often ask that question and, uh, sorry, I haven't got an answer to that. In a way, it's both because the man had obviously gone his own way to worship demons and the demons were obviously against God, so both of them are against Jesus and the demons make the man know who exactly Jesus is. So we'll leave my... Question that I actually can't. Why did I bring up a question I can't answer just because you might be too? So now you know. I don't have an answer. But the demon calls Jesus by name. Jesus. And then he says, Son of the Most High God. In other words, he's saying, You are, not, he's not using the word Messiah here. He's not using the word Christ, not calling him the Saviour. He's calling him God. Yep. And why is he doing that? Well, in some way, he's saying, I know who you are. I'm giving you some sort of credit um, because I don't want to be tormented. James 2.19 tells us, demons know who Jesus is. They believe he exists. They don't believe in him in the sense of trusting in him. They don't have faith in him. They don't submit to him. But they know exactly who he is. These demons knew this is Jesus, son of the most high God. And then he says, I abjure you by God, do not torment me. And I had to look this up in the dictionary, this word. I thought, oh, what a funny word. And what it is, is swear to me by God, swear to me in God's name. This is what, sorry, this is a demon speaking here. Swear to me in God's name that you will not torment me. It's as if the demon is saying, Swear that God would protect me. It's a very strange uh, happening here. He's putting himself in this bowed, low-down position, in, all in the hope that he won't be tormented. He knows Jesus is superior in power and authority, and the demons knew 
that they had to leave this man because Jesus had been saying or had already said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Now, this is the only time, I know this story is told in a number of the Gospels, but this is the only time where Jesus ever allows a demon to speak. Okay, Every other time, he would not let them speak. In this case, he lets him speak. And I don't know if you've noticed in this, there is a lot of the word begging and a lot of the word permission or permitting. Yeah, Because, I know I'm going to say this in a minute, but demons can't do anything unless they're permitted. By who? By the one who is superior, who is Jesus, who has power and authority over all these demons. So if they sound like they're crawling, they are. They have no choice. They have nowhere else to go. Jesus is the only one who can let them do anything. And if he had been saying, come out of the man, then that was going to happen and they knew that was going to happen. And Jesus asked them, what is your name? He asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, Legion means a numerous number of demons inhabit and afflict this man. It's not, it's not being uh, exact, but in, in the, the word legion is actually a Latin word, and Latin is Roman, right? It's a Roman word, and the Romans meant a great number of soldiers, about 6,000 soldiers, along with all of the support staff and the horsemen and everything else. That was called a legion. We're talking about a whole platoon or some sort of word like that. Not literally 6,000 demons, but what he's saying is here, there is a whole mob. Well, 2,000 pigs go down the hill, so we're talking a big number. Jesus is confronted here with a massive power of darkness. Verse 10 says, And he begged him earnestly not to send them into the country, out of the country, out to the country. And there's a lot of confusion over what this means. Firstly, who's asking? Is it the man saying, I don't want to leave this place and be in an even further worse place? Partly, that's probably it. Uh, is it the demon saying, don't send us to a place which is arid, away from people, whatever. They're, they're saying this. Um, don't send us away. We're not really sure what that means. But there was a great herd of pigs. Now, 2,000 is a great herd of pigs, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine the smell. Um, send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. He gave them permission. And the unclean spirits come out, come out of the man that is, entered the pigs and the herd numbering 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Again, what a mess. Now, on the other side of the lake where Jesus went is, was a Gentile area. If you're wondering what, because Jews don't eat pigs, you see. So we're in a Gentile area here, so they do. They, they like their BLT sandwiches there. And um, the, the demons desire, all that they ever want to do is to cause death and destruction. Yeah? And so when they go into pigs, what are they going to do? They're going to kill them straight away. They'll kill whatever. Which brings a question, how come this man's still alive? Why is he still alive? And the answer is because the demons can only do what they have permission to do. And if they don't have permission to kill that man, he will not die. Do you understand that? 
And he was there for this moment where Jesus could show his awesome power. A bit like other places where, why is this man sick, said the disciples. And Jesus said, he's not sick for any reason of the sin of his parents or sin of himself. He's for this day so I can heal him and show my glory. Do you understand? So here he is. He's still alive even in the terrible position he's in. He's kept alive so that Jesus could perform an incredible miracle. Why did Jesus allow the pig thing? Do you wonder that? I do too. I think that there's two reasons that I, I, I sort of did a bit of reading on this and there's two reasons which I think... Firstly, he wanted to show something very important about the powers of darkness. You see their real heart. As soon as they have a chance, they kill whatever they can. The powers of darkness, devil, the devil, evil... They are not innocent thoughts to be played with. They cause death and destruction immediately. You don't play games with the powers of darkness. Do you understand that? The devil and his demons desire to kill and destroy and tear back the image of God. They desire eternal suffering. They desire guilt and shame and self-harm and madness, futile thinking of every sort. They want hatred. They love drugs. Okay, because in, in the Bible, in the in the uh, um, in Revelation, where it speaks about the word uh, witchcraft, it's actually a witchcraft which has the word pharmacon, where we get the word pharmacy from, as though the witchcraft was resulting with drugs and stuff all mixed up together. Okay. What first point is, is this. Jesus wants to show you the evil of evil because evil is really evil. It's not pleasantly evil. Uh, what do demons want? They want death. They want drugs. They want murder. They want domestic violence. They want to enslave humanity for whoever sins is a slave to sin. That's what the powers of darkness want. They want people enslaved in sexual perversions of all sorts thinking the whole time it'll be great. They want people loving all sorts of pleasure, thinking it will bring joy and fulfilment, and they seek to destroy. The Bible tells us in a number of places that behind idols are demons. They draw people into idolatry to tear them away from the truth of God and from living in the image of God. That's point one Jesus wanted to show by tearing down the hill by the This is what this is what evil's really like. Point two uh, all the pigs drowning show us something incredibly important, I think. The demons were allowed to survive for now. They were. But a time will come where they will run down the hill into the fiery pit forever and they will have no choice about that. They will go there under the power of God. Just as they plunge towards their death, Jesus is saying there is a final judgment coming and the powers of darkness will be done away with once and for all. Just like all the unclean pigs die and the demons will go forever. They begged for mercy and in one sense they were given not grace but clemency. They were given uh, a reprieve for a time. They were given that permission, but that was not going to last. In any case, you've got to see this. 
Jesus had complete authority over those demons. They could do nothing that he had not given them permission to do. No power over God's people. And so the pigs drowned and presumably, or they were not told, the demons moved on to cause more and pain and suffering until their time was up. The herdsmen fled and they told in the city, they went in town and they came, uh, this is what happened here. They didn't see the whole story but they saw a bit of it and people came and saw Jesus and there was the man who once was a demon-possessed man. He had been changed, sitting there, And he was clothed and in his right mind. These people knew this man. They knew he was an insane, he was a madman, he was violent, he's screaming. Countless people had said to their children, you don't go near that man, you don't even go near anywhere there. You know that's the truth, don't you? You don't go near him, he is dangerous, he is violent. And there he is, sitting before Jesus, with a wholeness of mind, he is completely restored. He is a, he's clothed. He is a human being. Jesus had bought an instant. You know, in the next chapter, the disciples say at one thing, time of Jesus, you do all things well. Like, when you do it, you do, you do the whole hog. You have fixed a man here, and he, he is saved. He is, like, what a miracle. And the people are afraid. Remember last week we went from afraid to afraid? Yeah. Yeah. They were afraid of a ghost and they realised it was Jesus. They were really afraid. Or they were afraid of the storm. And then Jesus calmed the storm and then it said they were mega afraid. <laughs> yeah. Well, the people are afraid again. They are. What is going on here? Those who described it to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. That was their response. That was where their fear took them. We want you out of here. They knew the man was healed. They knew the pigs were drowned. They knew what evil was. They, if you could see, this was an epic uh, conflict between Jesus the King and the powers of darkness. Can you see this? This is, this, is, this is massive. They didn't. They asked Jesus to leave. In a strange way, they asked Jesus for permission to be left without him. And uh, he agreed and he went. But other Gentiles, through Jesus' ministry, saw the power and authority of Jesus and they put their faith in him. But these ones did not. They wanted him gone. They wanted judgment and he gave it to them, in a sense. As he was getting in the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. I want to be with you, Jesus. That's what he's saying. And he did not permit him but said, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Jesus, if you was his family, you you need that encouragement. If you heard someone say, you know that madman son of yours? Well, he's all made better and he's got into a boat and he's gone off with Jesus. You would have gone, I don't believe it. Yeah, you would have to see him to believe this, wouldn't you? 
Show me how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's a region with ten cities, Deca, ten polis cities, how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marvelled. I want to stay with you, Jesus. That's what he begged. He had one want and one desire. I want to be with you who saved me. Do you know what? One day we're going to meet this man. If you have faith in Jesus and in heaven, we're going to meet this man who had all those demons. Isn't that going to be cool? He was saved. And together we will praise the mercy of God. But for now, he said, you don't come with me. Don't come with uh, Jesus and the disciples. Go and tell everybody. Tell them what the Lord has done for you and the mercy has shown. This is all mercy. Do you know this man had willingly, in some form, we don't know fully, he had entered into all sorts of sin. Jesus healed him and saved him. He did nothing in that, did he? That was an act of complete mercy. He had set him free. He didn't come asking for it. When he came and um, had fell before Jesus, he was saying, don't, go to, don't send me to another country area. He wasn't saying, set me free from the powers of darkness. He wasn't begging for that. But you see, that is the mercy of God. While we were yet sinners, in the depth of our sin, Christ died for us. People, I, God saves people who still don't even have the will and desire to be saved. Well, that's kind of, people in their sin don't want to be with God. Jesus, uh, sorry, Paul, breathing out murderous threats. Jesus appears to him and saves him. You, you think about the people in the Bible uh, it, it's like, yes, they kind of knew that they were in this sin, but they weren't ready to get out of it. The woman in Samaria, you know, you've, you've been in adultery, you're in an adulterous relationship, you've been married four times, yet set free. You get Zacchaeus, he, he was wanting for a look for the show. He wasn't necessarily wanting to follow Jesus, and Jesus saves him. Actually, do you know the God of mercy, he saves sinners who are in a terrible state. That's how he saved us, eh? Yeah? Go and tell of his mercy. And he went away and began to proclaim how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marvelled in the whole region. He did that. There's also an interesting thing because Jesus often said, don't go and tell people. Didn't he? In, in, definitely in Mark's Gospel. But here he is with the scumbag, pig-loving Gentiles. Go and tell them all. They need to hear. Yep. This is a story of the power and authority of Jesus, the King, the Son of God, over demons and the powers of darkness. It's a story of mercy. Jesus brings mercy to people, a man who is completely undeserving. We're told, and we need to know that demons desire to bring death and destruction. But it's funny, isn't it? These demons, in all that they wanted to do, do you know what they ended up causing? The name of Jesus to be made known through a Gentile area of ten cities. Yep. Because God had kept that man alive, hadn't he? He had a purpose for him, just like he had a purpose for Paul. As soon as he appeared to Paul, he said, you know, oh, by the way, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I've got a job for you. Even... Evil unwittingly 
brings about a knowledge of the mercy of God because God is powerful over them and they can do nothing. You know, bowing the knee, you can bow the knee before somebody and go, yes, I agree, you're more powerful than I, so I'm going to give in. Or you can bow the knee and say, I worship you. You can look like you're worshipping, falling before somebody. But we talked, I know, a few weeks ago about the fear of God, the importance of fearing God and knowing who he is, and that that brings godly worship because he is the holy God. In the end, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Right? Every single person, good and wicked, righteous and unrighteous, will bow before Jesus. Everyone. But that, they won't all go to heaven because they don't all worship him. They don't all have faith in him. They don't care for him. The devil knows that his time is short. Revelation 12.12 says, Woe to you, O earth and sea. Woe to you, the people of this earth. For the devil has come down to you in great anger. The devil is very angry. Why is he angry? Because he knows his time is short. Okay? He is seeking to take people down with him in anger. Um, But God has authority over him. Jesus has authority over a legion of demons. He has authority over the devil. In Luke 8, Luke picks up on something we're not told in this story, and that's that the demons begged not to be sent to the abyss. The abyss. The place of eternal punishment. But that is where Satan and his demons will end up. In Revelation 20 we're told, The devil was thrown into the lake of fire and sulphur and there he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. There is going to be a time where all evil will be gone. Does that bring comfort to you? Yeah? (laughs) Evil will be gone forever. At the start of uh, Revelation 21 it says that bit about that New heaven, the, the Jerusalem coming down, and the place of God being dwelling with His people, and there'll be no longer any sea, S E A. And you think, oh, no fishing in heaven. But you see, in in the Revelation, the sea is is a it's a figurative place where all evil comes from. Where did evil begin? In the garden, where the devil brought his temptation. The man and the woman might have willingly given into it, but it didn't begin, evil didn't begin with them. When there's no longer any sea, there is no longer going to be a place where evil will spring from. There will be no more temptation for humanity. He will never have power or opportunity again. He will remain, the devil that is, tormented day and night forever under God's wrath. But for those who believe, those who put their trust in Jesus, those who know their salvation alone in his mercy, for those, there is the only escape from the powers of darkness. There is no other escape. Yeah? But to be in Christ, to put your trust in him. For you who believe in him, there is a sure promise. Eternal life. Safety from demons. 
blessing. That we might, as this man desired, be with Jesus forever at home with the Father. I want to bring one more word into this, and that is, <coughs> excuse me, um, from 1 Corinthians 6. And basically, our hope is in Christ as Christians. Don't go back. Okay? Don't go back to what? Don't flitter around with sin. Don't play around with it. Because it might seem like this offers a whole lot of pleasure. Underneath it is a horrible thing. Paul here says, don't go back. That's not his words, but it's my words. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. He's talking to believers. And you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He's saying, you don't do these things. Don't go back to them. That's what you were. That is not who you are. Don't play with fire and think you won't get burned. Stay with Jesus Because he alone is our hope that we might be with Jesus. The glory of heaven is going to be, we're going to be with Jesus. That is what we desire. That is what we most want. That's our hope. I'll finish with this verse from Jesus. uh, Jesus said in John 10.10. The thief comes, and by the way, he's referring to the devil here. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, that's Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And there is no abundant life except for in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this message today. And we want to thank you for your incredible mercy to us. Thank you that you loved us and sent your son for us when we were under the powers of darkness, when we were dead in our sin, when we were without hope. Thank you that you saved us when we were ignorant and futile in our thinking. I pray, Father, that you would cause us to live lives of worship before you, knowing the incredible mercy you've shown us. And I pray, Father, more than that, I pray that we would see the darkness of sin in our world through all that happens. And Father, that we would be those who stand in your justification, who stand in your sanctification, and who know that everything we have is in you. Father, I pray that you would cause us not to fall into temptation, but that you would deliver us from the evil one, as you alone can. And I pray that we would live lives full of worship to you in the purity that you've given us through Jesus. And I pray this in his name. Amen.